The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Now, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot... Then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So, therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. This isn't the first time that Jesus has made a comment about families being divided. A few weeks ago, Jesus said, I came to bring division, and family members will be divided against each other. Keep in mind, families meant more than just relatives in Jesus' day. Families were your identity. Families were your social standing. Families were your financial security net. Families gave you your career. Families gave you your retirement plan. For many of us, families are the people you see on the holidays. But to the people listening to Jesus, he was challenging what they considered most important and fundamental to their very identity. Families are important, no doubt. Perhaps Jesus' words here are challenging you, and they might be a challenge for you to hear. If the Ten Commandments tell us to honor our father and mother, and Jesus himself says that we should welcome the little children, then why is he telling the disciples to hate their own families? It seems a bit conflicted. Hate is a strong word, and it doesn't quite get at what Jesus is saying. We often think of hate as an emotional response. This word that Jesus uses is better understood as disfavor or disregard. In other words, Jesus is saying, have little regard for your father. Have little regard for your mother. Have little regard for your spouse, your children, your siblings. And have little regard even for life itself. It's not so much about the emotion of hate but about reprioritizing family because 
God's family is more inclusive. Jesus is redefining the limits of family beyond only those who are connected to you by blood. Through Jesus, all people are included as though they are family. For Jesus followers, your commitment to people extends beyond whom you are related to. Now, what makes this so shocking is that it sounds like Jesus is giving an anti-church growth speech. We think of church as a nice place, right? A place you go to hear how much God loves you and how nice it is to be a follower of Jesus. We want church to be comforting. If we tell people God loves them, and if we show them how nice it is to be a follower of Jesus, then we'll grow as a church. People will want to join all that this is. But the large crowds triggered something in Jesus. And we don't know what the crowds were thinking or what they were saying. And maybe Jesus was just trying to make a point that following his footsteps was never going to be easy and it was never going to be popular. The path of Jesus was always going to carry within it tension. Tension within families, tension within your own self. If you do not hate, if you do not disregard life itself, Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple. That's tough. And it should make you stop and ponder what he means. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. This call to cross-carrying had an influence on Martin Luther. The cross was integral to Luther's understanding of God. He talked about having a theology of the cross as opposed to having a theology of glory. Now, when I imagine these large crowds following Jesus and being excited about how great it all was, it's possible that they were attracted to the glory of it all. Maybe they followed Jesus in that crowd because there was a chance at glory, whatever that might be. And in response to their chance at glory, Jesus says, say goodbye to your family and your possessions and go pick up a cross. One of the things that Luther said was, a theologian of glory calls evil good and good evil. A theologian of the cross calls a thing what it actually is. So let's start by naming what a cross actually is. I think it's lovely that we have all these crosses on the walls here. I think it's nice that we wear crosses as symbols on our jewelry. But in order to have a theology of the cross, we have to call a thing what it actually is. 
And the cross actually was an instrument of torture. It was a weapon of state-sanctioned fear-mongering. It was the preferred method of capital punishment in occupied territories of the empire. It was how the government told people, we are strong, you are weak. It's closer to an electric chair or a lynching tree than you might think. Jesus said, whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And to carry the cross is to call a thing what it actually is. There's a belief that labels every inconvenience in life as your cross to bear. Hate working for your boss? That's just your cross to bear. Struggling with your health? It's just your cross to bear. Difficulty trying to raise your kids? It's just your cross to bear. It's never our job to identify what cross-bearing is for another person. That assumes that we can ever know the reasons why life happens the way it does. God does not give out struggles and diseases as a way to keep people humble. Difficulties in life often happen for no discernible reason. And to blame it on God is wrong. Instead, to carry the cross is to look at the world through the cross. And to look at the world through the cross is to call a thing what it actually is. The cross is this. God's choice of profound solidarity with humans. God chooses not to abandon you in your pain and torment, but instead enters into it through the death of the Son. God goes all the way down to the bottom with you. And by doing so, God not only shares in your suffering on the cross, but God is actually revealed through suffering love. We get a better, truer image of God from the scene of Jesus on a cross. You are called to look at the world through the cross. That's different than looking at the cross through the world. Because from the world's perspective, Jesus was a failure. He was just another rebel who got riled, people riled up, became a victim of the state-sanctioned fear-mongering. From the world's perspective, Jesus was an example of those who didn't count the cost. He didn't plan his strategy out well. He didn't have enough followers to overthrow the empire. He didn't complete the mission of the Messiah in glory that the crowds wanted. 
He died like a criminal on a cross, which is the direction you were called to see the world from. A cross. The cross is ultimately not what it appears to be. From the outside, looking in, it looks like a shameful, tragic defeat. But for God, it is not. For God, the death of Jesus on a cross is the path to resurrection. Amen.